Let's pray. Our great God, we do want to thank you that Lord Jesus encourages us to be humbled and to humble ourselves that you may exalt us. Please tonight, as we study the Bible, please help us to see that being humble is more precious to you and helpful for us than to be exalted. Please, therefore, make us small as we read the Bible tonight that we may see how large your greatness is. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at uh, Romans. It's uh, in the Black Bible in church on page 940. And we're going to look at all of Romans chapter 2, page 940. So I'll give you a minute to find your way there. And uh, it's really good to have that in front of you. And sometimes people, when they speak different languages, bring their own little Bible. Uh, so I don't know what page it is in your Bible, but uh, in our church Bible it's page 940. And Romans chapter 2. And the words will also be on the screen. Okay. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed and he will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality he will give eternal life but for those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth and obey unrighteousness and there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honour and peace for everyone who does good for the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who don't have the law 
by nature do what the law requires they are law to themselves even though they do not have the law they show that the work of the law is written in their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind a light to those in darkness an instructor of the foolish a teacher of children having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth you then who teach others do you not teach yourself? while you preach against stealing do you steal? you may say that one must not commit adultery do you commit adultery? you who bore idols do you rob temples? you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law for as it is written the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law but if you break the law your circumcision becomes uncircumcision so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn those who have the written coat and circumcision but they break the law for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly nor is circumcision outward and physical no but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit not by the letter and his praise is not from man but from God but let me stop there for a moment and uh, our children are going to go to their different groups and uh, then we'll carry on after they've left in just a moment pause there for the second and we'll come back as soon as they leave and let me ask you a question as we start this part what do you think if you wanted a gift from God is the best gift you could ask for I think I can probably guess what would be on your list and what would be at the top of it judging from what your answers were about those crosses earlier but I bet you wouldn't be able to guess what would be the top of God's list when he comes to giving the best gift to other people do you know what that gift is here it is see if you well you got that right humility is the best gift that God gives to anyone because it is a door opening gift if you were here on Friday and you were part of Cocaine Anonymous 
uh, they would encourage people to be humble because it opens up the door to recovery for them really makes a difference if you want to come away from drugs to learn how to be humble but the Bible tells us in addition to that that if we have the gift of humility it opens the door to relationships isn't that true when you're proud people don't get on but when people are humble then there is a near circle of friendship that begins true the only problem is it's not a gift that you would want if you think you kind of more or less got it and it opens the gift of the biggest gift of all which is God's righteousness now if you were here a couple of weeks ago you know that uh, the only way anyone can be friends with God is if there's matching righteousness if our righteousness and God's righteousness are on the same level then we can be friends with God and not until then and humility opens the door for that to happen because it admits that we are not righteous and it asks God to give us his righteousness and when we ask him he gives us God grade righteousness as a free gift so we can be his friends humility gives us the opportunity to ask but if we think we've got it already then we won't ask will we so if you fill up with sweets before your dinner dinner is just a bit of an add-on and if you think you're a reasonably good person then righteousness is a bit of a top-up and we think it's ultimately about being nice and that's what we think that, uh, that we need to be as far as God is concerned but not on the same level as righteousness and we can get to thinking if we think that we are reasonably righteous and okay we can get to think okay well when we looked at chapter 1 we saw how there were horrible horrible people there right at the very end uh, what we might say today a, light, a right lot of reprobates okay and so therefore we can say yes humility is for those reprobates that chapter 1 they get it so wrong it's right for them to be humble and what chapter 2 tells us if chapter 1 was for reprobates to be humble chapter 2 is for respectables to be humble and the way respectables are humble is when we not have a sudden humble feeling come on top of us it's when we think of ourselves in ways that are true and clear and then we begin to see we've got reasons to be humble the Bible gives us those reasons by showing us we're not as good as we think we are and there are three questions in chapter 2 that show us we're not as good as we think we are the first question is this have you ever criticized anyone have you you know who that is on the screen, don't you? Yep, who is, is it? Craig. Craig. Now, he's the number one critic in, uh, in uh, Strictly Calm Dancing. Yeah? Craig's basically telling everyone where they've got it wrong. Well, the trouble is, it's not just Craig, it's all of us. 
we've all been that proud, haven't we? And verse 1 opens our eyes to the fact that we criticize other people and then we go and do exactly the same thing. We don't often see that that's what we're doing, but that's what we're doing. If someone isn't patient with me, I get badly hurt. If I'm not patient with somebody else, ah, you know, I'm just tired. Not really my fault. And verse 1 tells us that, well, we lose our excuses the minute we criticize someone else because we will be doing the same thing ourselves if you just wait and watch. And what we're really saying when we criticize somebody else is, okay, that's a good thing to do, is it? Fine, so you won't mind if God does that to you, will you? If it's okay for you to criticize somebody else, that must be a good thing. So it's okay, it must be a good thing if God does that with you. Now, it is interesting to see that actually God never rushes to criticize anybody. Verse 4 tells us that... um, he is patient, if you look at verse 4. Do you perceive one of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? God isn't as quick to pounce on people the way we are. He gives people time to humble themselves and to repent. So if you're a humble person, you understand that that's what God is doing. The minute you see somebody doing something wrong, you will realize that actually that's how you carry on. And at that point, you have every reason to say, God, you know, this person's getting it wrong, but you know, I'm just like that too. Please, will you forgive me? When you see somebody else doing wrong, that's the number one opportunity for you to ask God to forgive you, rather than to go for them. But sadly, in verse 5, we become hardened, not humbled. Which means that God is right to judge us on the day that his patience runs out and his anger is revealed. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but look, what the Bible is telling us is at the end of the day when judgment day comes and we think God judges bad people, what Romans 2 tells us is that actually God judges judges people have criticized other people have then done the same thing themselves on that day you see God won't need to come and uh, measure us by using his ten commandments all he needs is a tape recorder because what you've told other people they shouldn't be doing is what will expose what are wrong is like. Are you with me on that? So it is a humbling thing to realize that God will judge judges and if you've criticized anyone that's what you've made yourself to be. Second question. Have you been good? Hope so, says verse 6. Because God will render to each one according to his works. first sight it looks a little bit like if you've been good in verse 7 you go to heaven and if you've not been good in verse 8 well wrath and fury will be coming your way but 
what he is really saying is that God is a really good judge because he judges people by actions because actions are really what show what you believe you believe a house is on fire and you sit in your front room watching your telly you don't really believe your house is on fire you can tell the person who believes their house is on fire because at that minute they're going to be running out the window if they can they have to and so what this little part of the Bible is ruling out is that kind of mental beliefs or, uh, mental belief that we have in our heads that sings the songs of worship but never actually goes any further what the Bible tells us is that we are saved by faith 100% and we are judged by our works 100% and Jesus himself said that a tree without fruit gets the chop and verse 12 tells us that people who don't go to church often do better on the goodness stakes than we do. Now, you've only got to look at uh, Angela's neighbour uh, who lives right next door to her. As far as I know, she may not even have a Bible in her house. Certainly doesn't go to church. But if you look at her life and the way she is kind to Angela, you say she reads her Bible every day. Now, that's not to say that when you're good in some areas of your life that that means that you are keeping the law in every area of your life. And then verse 15 tells us there'll be certain areas in which people's conscience will accuse them as well as excuse them when God judges the secrets of hearts. So it's not to say that they're all clear when their hearts are accusing them in front of God. They won't be. But the point is this, that whenever church-going respectable see people doing good in their lives we should be humbled by them when we begin to notice that our uh, little performance doesn't match our profession or you might want to put it a different way our walk doesn't match our talk whenever we see that there's another reason God is giving us to be humble. It's like a gift. Like the bishop and the VC on the screen earlier. You might have the bishop's cross with all the qualifications and the advantages that you might have if you were of a high-ranking person in, like, in life like that. But a VC is a cross that doesn't look anywhere near as grand as anything else. It just looks black but you get it because you've done a huge amount more for people than just those who go to church and verse 14 I think is speaking about people like that and Angela's neighbour and we see them in action and we've got every reason to go humble to shrink ourselves that much more then the third question I'm going to ask you do you call yourself a Christian? And in verse 17 you see these people 
putting on themselves the best religious badge of all they would call themselves a Jew now let me tell you that was the very best religious badge you could ever wear because God showed himself revealed himself to the Jews not to anybody else so they really could boast in God like it says and you could take that all, all the Paul says to Jews and say well you could say all that about Christians today they have the same Bible and what's even better than that we've actually had God turn up and tell us what he is like so if you wanted to say I'm a person that God has informed being a Christian is certainly a qualification and therefore in verse 19 we are good guides to the blind we can instruct and we can teach in verse 21 we actually do have lots of things to say to people in verse 22 you who say to one another and so on we can give instructions only problem is we do it to everybody else but we don't do it to ourselves verse 21 you who teach others don't you teach yourself and Paul can pick up examples of times they've done that in their history so if you like he, he, he looks at uh, this thing about stealing in verse 21 you preach against stealing do you steal? well the prophet Malachi certainly said look uh, you do steal don't you? God gives you good things but you don't tithe you keep it all to yourself that's stealing and uh, so therefore uh, the uh, Jewish, Jewish people were stealing they were keeping from other people what God had given them to pass on and then what about adultery? Oh, they know all about adultery. They've read about it. But then the Bible tells us the many times in which they didn't treat God as the one they loved most. They loved other things instead. And there was adultery going on. Their hearts were full of other loves, not just a love for God. And then what about... Uh, uh, idols in verse 22 oh yeah they know all about that but when they went to live in their new country called Canaan the first thing they did was they go and learn about the local gods how that would help them to find rain and get babies it's like they'd gone to the temples and taken out the local gods and said okay these are ours now now it's very humbling for us to realize that actually <clears throat> we do so much double speak we say but we don't say I'll talk to you I never instruct myself and actually in that, for that reason we are actually the worst people in verse 24 because we're the ones who bring down God's reputation for is the name of God is, a is blasphemed among the na nations because of you. We can do far more damage than anybody else. The people in verse, in chapter 1, those reprobates I was telling you about, well, 
they weren't all that great but all they did was hurt each other but when you pin on the name of a Christian you can do far more damage than anyone because you can hurt the reputation of God that's mega serious and so we would have to plead guilty because we are the ones that make other people think that God is not worth bothering about when we don't bother about God and do what he says and so therefore we're told aren't we in verse 25 and 27 that the outsiders, the Gentiles people who have not been Jewish who haven't sort of grown up with the Bible in that sense outperform the people who have been instructed carefully right from the start and there's this amazing verse in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 12 verse 41 um, you want a quick check of it where, where essentially uh, Jesus makes this point that Paul is making that outsiders who have been not circumcised will uh, ultimately uh, judge the people who have been circumcised so in Matthew chapter 12 and verse uh, 41 he talks about just as Jonah that I'm reading verse 40 just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and then in verse 41 the men of Nineveh the ones that Jonah went and spoke to will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they and they weren't Jewish they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now someone greater than Jonah is here then there's the queen of the south the queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon behold something greater than Solomon is here so here is the final day judgment day here are, here's the whole Jewish nation and who will tell them that they're wrong people from Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba neither of them in the Jewish nation themselves now you might think after saying all that that uh, God's um, but he's falling into his own trap isn't he isn't God now in danger of actually doing what he just said not to do which is to criticize everyone but the last verse makes it clear that there are people in Romans chapter 2 who God will praise and it is really worth thinking about who those people might be it says here that they were circumcised in the heart now what's that about circumcision is a mark of a person who is a proper Jew but circumcision was just a cut in the skin what the circumcision of the heart is is something that God does inside someone and the end result is 
someone who is massively humble, who realizes that they've got God hugely wrong. Let me give you an example of when this happened. If you could just do me a favor, one book back, go to Acts. Uh, before Romans is Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and <coughs> Peter is speaking on the day of Pentecost. It's page 910. And Peter is speaking on the day of Pentecost and he tells them, this crowd of Jewish people that listened to him, that they've done an amazingly evil thing. They've only gone and killed their Messiah. <coughs> Which is really a bad move when you look at verse 35, where God has promised his Messiah that one day he's going to make his enemies his footstool. Now, what are you going to do when you just hear that you have got God? You could not have got God more wrong than that. What happens when you realize that? Look at verse 36. Um, Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So then what happens? Verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Circumcision of the heart happens at this point. And God says, great, now you can be forgiven. He says that through Peter. Repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, and forgiveness of your sins will come to you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you have now humbled yourself and you can ask God for forgiveness in a way that you never do until that humility comes that's the mark of the Holy Spirit when someone is cut to the heart I see when we're humble and cut to the heart that is a miraculous job that the Holy Spirit does and the sign of the Holy Spirit at work in somebody's life is that they realize that they've got God wrong. So if you go back to the very best person in the Old Testament, the famous Jewish king called King David, you know what he did? Well, he went to a woman and he committed adultery with her and then he went and had her husband killed to cover it up. Was David in the middle of getting admitting to everybody that he got it wrong or to God got it? No, he was covering it all up. Murdered the husband just to keep it all quiet. But then what happened to him? I don't guess. Look at uh, uh, Psalm 51 and... Um, verse 17. Psalm 51 is on page 474. Okay, This is the last little detail I'm, I'm taking you to. Page 474 and uh, Psalm 51. 
And I just want you to have a look at what David realized. The thing that David realized that made him stop covering things up. Verse 17 tells you, he realized the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. When you stop covering it up and you go in front of God broken hearted, contrite in spirit, ah, he will never despise you. He will forgive you and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And that humility, I tell you, is a gift from God because it doesn't normally come. Normally we are like David in cover-up mode. But then what, uh, get, get back to Romans 8, and you see that this is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. God's got to do this. And when God does it, he's giving you the massive gift of humility that's going to open the door to a new relationship with him. Always remember that, won't you? People say the big Holy Spirit experience on the day of Pentecost was that 120 people spoke in tongues. Let me tell you, the big Holy Spirit experience on the day of Pentecost is that 3,000 people were cut to the heart, forgiven and filled with the Holy Spirit because God gave them this massive gift of humility. Friends, if you want a gift from God, What's the gift that you want more than anything else? Let's uh, take this home and uh, think how this might work in different contexts. Maybe you're someone who's not yet a Christian. And it may be that uh, Christians have given you every reason to make you fed up of Christianity. They've criticized you maybe and they aren't as good as you in the way that they behave in the office on Monday morning. That's when the mask slips. And who would blame you? Heck, look, if there's a football team that keeps scoring home goals, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near them, would you? And you have every right to think that you are in many ways better than we are who go to church. But can I just ask you to be careful because what would happen if we go down that road too much is that actually what we're doing is we are judging people. And that pushes us towards pride where we think we are actually better. And it's far more important for us to come into humble land and to ask ourselves the searching questions have you ever criticized anybody else and then done the same thing but you know you have so why not come into the land of humility yourself why didn't you say God I don't know why I'm criticizing other people I am like this Please, will you open the door? Give me that gift of humility that opens the door into a new life where I can find the forgiveness of Jesus as well.
What happens if you're someone who's been around church quite a bit and you'd call yourself uh, a believer and no one would be surprised if you know the Bible quite well and you know God's line on what's right and what's wrong and you probably said to other people what's right and what's wrong. Well, let me ask you that second question. How has God's reputation fared in your hands? Has your life attracted people towards Jesus or actually pushed them away from him? In which case, it would be good, wouldn't it? To notice the gap between what you say and how you live and to ask God to be massively merciful because you need that. And I must say I find myself in lots of positions thinking, Mike, if only people knew after you've just said that and you've just gone and done that, what a fraud you are. And <clears throat> it's a humbling thing to realise that. It's a good thing for church people to see that more than we do. But then thirdly, this is the big take-home from tonight. If you're a real believer, the best, best, best gift that God can ever give you as a person and us as a church is the gift of humility. So my friends, grab every little opportunity to shrink yourself and make yourself small because that is the Holy Spirit's work and will in your life. When we see reasons to criticize somebody else, friends, that's the moment to ask God to forgive you because we do the same things. They're just being a mirror to us in the way we live. And when we see outsiders showing care we need to humble ourselves because we are so shallow and humility will open the door of praise from God now it won't open the door of praise from man if you look at the last verse it tells you that the praise doesn't come from man because by and large our society doesn't welcome humble people it prefers confident people arrogant people we look up to leaders who lead us in that kind of way we've just had this amazing blockbuster film Winston Churchill very effective leader in the war but he was certainly arrogant they're the ones that our nation looks up to now your praise won't come from man if you're not one of them but God loves it. And your praise will come from God as you humble yourself and as you use every opportunity to grow that gift of humility. That's the gift the Holy Spirit wants to give from the day of Pentecost to the King of Israel called David and tonight to you as well. Let's pray for that gift. Let's ask God 
to speak to us about that maybe in a moment of quiet one minute just talk to God from what you've heard tonight and respond to him from what he has said in the Bible and in a minute's time I'll lead us all in one prayer and we'll go on uh, to hand over to George after that well questions and answers first and then we'll hand over let's first have a moment of quiet and individually privately let's pray well our minute is up so let me pray for all of us and then we'll take questions and answers our father we do want to thank you for telling us things that we'll never hear outside this room where uh, the Bible is not taught and where pride and arrogance is the way to go. We thank you that uh, your word opens up to us a life that will take us in a different, opposite direction. And thank you, Father, that uh, uh, you address people like us who are always about to step over the precipice of pride in order to help us to see that by your spirit we may step back into humility in our relationships with each other and with you and please help us Father in the light of what you said tonight to lead a different week and beyond humbly loving each other and loving you in the likeness of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray Amen, Amen.